Glory to God. Hallelujah. Good morning, everybody. So good to be in church this morning. Amen. How many agree with that song that there's no one like Jesus? Amen. Can we do one more thing? Just put your hands to heaven. And just magnify him. Just, just love on him just for a moment. He's about to feed you the word of God. Just love on him. We love you, Lord. We worship you this morning. We thank you. There is none like unto you. We magnify your holy name. Hallelujah. 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 We glorify you. We glorify you, Lord. There is no one else like you. Let's sing it one more time. You do miracles so great. There's no one else like you. There is no one else. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you gave us a free gift of grace. You gave us Jesus, and because of that, we have life and that more abundantly. We thank you that he's our good shepherd. He's our feeder today. And once again, we have the opportunity to sit at the feet of your son, Jesus, and feed, hallelujah, and receive of eternal life. We get to receive of your word that brings life and grows faith in our hearts. We thank you for that in the most precious name of Jesus. Thank you for utterance. Thank you for unction in the Holy Ghost. Thank you that you give us a word in due season, words that speak directly to the hearts of every individual that's in this place today. I thank you that your word is quick and it's sharp. In fact, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able, able to divide asunder spirit and soul. It's able not only to feed but cut off what needs to be cut off, hallelujah, and grow what needs to be grown into our hearts. We thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians, the second chapter. We'll start reading in the sixth verse. If you missed Wednesday night service, hopefully you'll get a chance to watch that online. We'll review some. Uh, we'll go over some new material, though, today that I believe will bless you. Today we're going to be talking about being engrafted in Christ Jesus. We've been talking about in him realities, in Christ realities. It's been so good. Who you are in Christ is so important for you to know. It's important to know your identity. Amen. And one of the things that we talked about is the word identity. It's really almost the same as the word identical. They come from the same root word. And when you think about your identity with Christ... You can see yourself in Christ. In fact, if you can find Christ in the Bible, really you can locate yourself. You can't really get to where you're headed unless you find out where you're at. And so it's important that you know where you are in the scripture. Amen. You know, when you go to the mall, you see the directory right there, a kiosk that'll have a directory, and it'll say, you are here. It's important that it says that because you can't get to the place you want to get to unless you know where you're at. And so there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that tell you, you are here. And anywhere in the Bible where you see scriptures that say, in Christ, 
with Christ, through Christ Jesus, by Christ Jesus, it identifies you with Christ. So those scriptures are telling you, you are here. And there's places you've got to get to in life. There's destiny that you've got to get to in life. There's things that belong to you. There's, there's places in life that you've yet walked in and you won't ever get there until you realize the reality of where you're at in Christ. And so it's important that you know scriptures that declare who you are. You know, that we live in a day where there's a lot of identity crises. <laughs> you know, people get their identity wrapped up in what they do. So when they lose their job, they lose their identity. There's a ton of suicides right now. I mean, it's because of COVID and different things like that, people being isolated, locked in. There's more of that that's going on today than we've seen in a long time. And people have lost their identity per se. And so when they lose their identity that's wrapped up in what they do or different things, they lose it all. But when you realize your identity is not wrapped up in what you do, it's not wrapped up in the color of your skin, it's not wrapped up in uh, even what you've done, it's wrapped up in what Jesus has done through the death, burial, and resurrection, you'll start digging, you'll start searching, you'll start mining per se, and looking for these scriptures. They're really gold. And when you find them, it, it, becomes, uh, it becomes a picture, a reality, a vivid image on the inside of you of how God has made you. You are made in the image and likeness of God so much that God puts you in Christ that you're now identified to the point where you have identical characteristics, identical DNA, identical genes as Jesus. Amen. You know, one of the scriptures, we'll read it later in a different translation that we've quoted and we do all the time with this message is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. that says, if any man be in Christ, he is therefore a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things have become brand new. One translation says, you become a man that's never existed before. And so it's important that you find out who you are, amen? So that when things do hit, when trials do come, when troubles do come, tribulations do come, when we do hit uh, places in life like we've seen in the last two years, that we're so built up in who we are that it doesn't phase us, it doesn't knock us around, it doesn't beat us down, we don't lose our hope because our hope is found in nothing else but Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the solid rock in which we're hidden in. Amen. You remember Moses was found in the cleft of the rock. God prepared a place, Exodus chapter 33, that's by him. God had a place where, where he could stand by God and be with God and see God's glory and have God's glory and his goodness revealed to him. And it was in the cleft of the rock. And it was a place where he could hide. And it was a place where all you could see is the rock. You couldn't see Moses. It's a hiding place for you and I. That rock represents Christ. Hallelujah. And in that rock, we find our identity and we have revealed to us all of God's glory, all of God's goodness, and it's in the rock of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And when you're in the rock, all you see is the rock. You know, we talked about this Wednesday night. I have a cousin, and uh, she had twins. And one's name is Ray, and the other na the name is Robert. You cannot tell the difference between the two of them. 
And even my cousin, she said, sometimes I get them mixed up and call them by the wrong name because they're identical twins. And when you get put in Christ, you get twinned with Christ. You get uh, the same genes. You get the same makeup. You get put in the rock. So no longer does the devil see you. No longer do people see you. They, in fact, no longer does God see you. God the Father can't tell the difference between you and Jesus. <laughs> Amen. And we think we get full of shame and disappointment for all of our uh, mistakes and our weaknesses and we feel inferior. But God don't feel that way about you because when he sees you, he sees your twin, Jesus. He's not confused because when you got born again through the wisdom and power of God, God uh, by his spirit, praise God, baptized you into the body of Christ. Now you have been, I like to use this word, twinned with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Isn't it cool, too, that when the devil sees you, he sees Jesus? Hallelujah. You may not realize that because you might see yourself as an inferior being or as a natural man, but you're no longer a natural man. You're a supernatural man. Amen. And uh, when you get put in Christ, the devil even sees Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, he's only reminded of the visitation that Jesus gave him after, amen, he died, he went down into Hades. He went to hell. He went to the depth of the earth and he visited Satan and he paralyzed Satan. And he, amen, he stripped him of his keys, the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Amen. He, 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 he took care of business and the devil's always reminded when he sees Jesus, he's a loser. Amen. And uh, that's what I love about this text here that we're going to read here. Uh, that's just an introduction, but that's pretty good stuff. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted, built up in him. That's what we're doing. Amen. The more we hear about this, we're getting rooted and built up and established and our identity in him, amen, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And then look what it says in the next verse. Let's just keep reading. It says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him, everybody say in him, here we are, we come across another preposition in the Bible that joins Christ to you. Hallelujah. You're in this verse if you're in Christ. Amen. Uh, it says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Glory to God. If I'm in Christ and the fullness of the Godhead bodily is in Christ, then there's nothing that I could ever want there's nothing that I could ever need because I have everything that uh, I could ever desire in the Godhead bodily. The fullness of God is in Christ. That means all of his goodness, all of his mercy, all of his abundant supply of grace, it's in Christ. And whatever God put in Christ, he put me in with it, and so I'm swimming in it. Praise God. I'm one with it. I'm not lacking anything. And it brings you to the very next verse in verse 10. 
and we've read this, it says, and you, because I'm joined to Christ, and you are complete in him. Hallelujah. That means that you are missing and lacking nothing. You are entire and wanting nothing. Say that out loud. Say, I am entire. I am complete. I have all. Because the Godhead bodily dwells in Christ, and so do I. And because of that, I am complete in him. Now, the devil will try to convince you other, otherwise. Men with their philosophies will try to spoil you with words and tell you you've got to do certain things. Even religion will tell you you've got to do certain things to attain more. You've got to do certain things to be more like God. But you can't get any more like God than you are in Christ. You can't look any more like God than you look like God right now in Christ. You can't be any more complete than you are right now in Christ. Come on, somebody. And that's why he said, as you have received Christ, you've got to walk this way. You've got to be established in this. You've got to know this. Your faith has to be established in this because there's going to be people. There's going to be demons. There's going to be devils from hell that try to get on your shoulder and convince you otherwise and talk you out of this and get you feeling weak and get you feeling like a victim. Come on, somebody. And get, get you feeling like you lack some things. But when we realize we don't lack anything, that we are complete right now, that we are full of God and we have all of his power and all of his anointing, when we understand that and have a revelation of that, our capacity to not only receive that, but our capacity to flow in that changes and we begin to act different, we begin to flow different, we begin to look at certain things different, we look at COVID different, we look at cancer different, we look at disappointments different, we even look at death different because when we're connected to Christ, hallelujah, there's nothing that can beat us because Jesus never was beaten on the cross. In other words, he wasn't defeated on the cross. He was in, in the sense of, he was beaten by man. He had the stripes laid upon his back. He had sin and sickness upon him. He became sin, but he defeated death, hell, and the grave. He defeated sin. He defeated sickness. Come on, somebody. He defeated cancer. He defeated COVID. He defeated every virus, even the ones you can't see, even the variants that haven't come yet. Jesus defeated them already. Hallelujah. And if it couldn't defeat him, then it can't defeat you right now. Hallelujah. Hold your place there. Look over there in 1 John chapter 4. I think it's verse 17. Glory to God. Woo! <laughs> I'm a little bit excited this morning. Look here at this verse. It says, Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Notice that, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. God wants you to be bold. And I'll tell you what will embolden you more than anything is knowing your identity in Christ. When you realize you're not who they say you are, you're not who your feelings say you are, you're not who the media says you are, you're not who the president says you are, Come on, somebody. You're not who the institution of education says you are. You're not who the doctor says you are. But you are what the Bible says you are. You'll treat certain things 
with the approach of I'm bold against you and towards you and I'm not going to let you run my life. I'm not going to let you turn my life. I'm not going to let you turn my way of thinking because if I'm in Christ, I'm a bold man. And it says that the love has been made so perfect in us that we could have boldness in the day of judgment. Look at this verse. Because as he is, so are we in this world. How is he right now? Well, I'll tell you where he's at according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, all the way to the end. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's far above all principality and power and darkness. He's prince ever name that's named. In fact, he's above that. And guess what? Where he is, so are we. Because although we were dead in sins, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead quickened our mortal bodies and joined us together with Christ and raised us up, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and through 6, he's made us to sit together with Christ in heavenly places. So as he is, so are we. So I'm sitting in the same seat of authority, far above every name that is named in this earth and that which is to come. Guess what? If you're saved, so are you. So in the day of judgment, in the day of tribulation, in a day of trouble, in a day of, of uh, uh, despair and darkness, because of his perfect love that joined us to Christ, we can walk around bold. We can rock, walk around unterrorized and unterrified and un. Not, not being fearful, but we can walk around with a bold expectation that because we're one with him, hallelujah, we win. And if I win, it doesn't matter what I'm going through right now, I know how the end result is. So I don't have to worry. I don't have to be discouraged. Come on, somebody. If this don't relate, I don't know what does. Because a lot of people today that are Christians are fearful, they're worried, they're discouraged, they're scared, they're isolated, they're hidden away, they're waiting till the storm is over. But Jesus didn't wait for a storm to be over. He got out of the bottom of the boat and he went to the, 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 the very end of the boat and spoke to the storm, rebuked the winds, rebuked the waves, and as he is, so are we. What are you afraid of? If you got God in you and you got Christ in you, don't let your flesh get you in a place or a position of unbelief. Get in the scripture. Find out who you are in Christ because you'll never get to where you're supposed to be headed until you find out where you are. And there are scriptures that say you are here. Hallelujah. And I like that verse we just read. That's exactly where I'm at. As he is, so am I. Is Jesus sick right now? No, he was on the cross, right? But he's not no more. Is Jesus broke right now? No, not at all. He was on the cross, right? He became poor so that we could be rich, but he's rich right now. Is he discouraged or, or is he lacking any joy? Is he, you know, you know, defeated in any way right now? No. And so if he's not, then neither am I. And sometimes you got to remind yourself of these things. Sometimes you've got to have a reference to go back to and you don't have a, a, a Bible or you don't have your phone, but you've got to get this reference engrafted and uh, burnt like an image on the inside of your spirit and uh, the, the Holy Spirit will always bring those things to your remembrance so that when you're going through these things, 
he'll trigger that scripture that says, no, 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 you're going to be all right because as he is, so are you. Hallelujah. Can you have that kind of relationship with God? Can you have that kind of fellowship with the word to the point where you might be going through something, but the scripture all of a sudden is brought to your remembrance by the spirit, and now it's relatable to your situation, and you can declare the word to that, to that situation and say, no, as he is, so am I right now in this world. Not the world to come. There's greater things in the world to come that I'm going to be experiencing. But right now in this world where there's so much curse, I am as Jesus is right now in heaven. <laughs> Glory to God. Boy, that's so good. Go back here to where we were in Colossians. Hallelujah. Y'all getting something out of this? Glory to God. Look what it says here at, in verse 10 again. And you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him. Notice there's that word, with him. So we've been buried with him in baptism wherein also you are risen with him. There's the preposition, with him. Through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Now, we don't have a whole lot of time, but if I've been buried with him, that means my old man is dead. Other people might remember who I used to be. Other people might remember who you used to be. But you don't have to remember that person because that person has been done away with. That person was buried in death, come on, baptized into that death with Christ Jesus. That's why if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. That old man is dead. You ever heard people, you know, slip up, make a mistake, and they say, I'm sorry, that's just the old man again. You know, what did he do? Did the old man resurrect or is he buried? You know, that's just my old man. You know, every once in a while, my old man and my flesh come together and they, they agree and they just get out of control in my life. Well, if that's how you see it, then you'll be dominated by that kind of life, especially in the realm of the emotions, up and down, up and down. But if you see it the way the scripture says it, my old man has been buried with Christ. That means he's dead. That means he can't pop his head up out of the dirt. He's six feet under. He ain't coming up. He's been buried, and there's a headstone on that baby. Praise God. He's dead, and the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead has twinned me with Christ Jesus, and I have been risen together with him. Hallelujah. And as he is, so am I right now. Glory to God. I've been resurrected. I've been born again. That's what it means. So all of our new birth realities, all of our re redemptive realities are really wrapped up in this mystery of who we are in Christ. And when it's revealed to us, we know it brings boldness, it brings strength, it brings direction and purpose. Come on. And it brings stability 
in our identity. Can you say amen? Let's keep reading here. Been buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, which hath raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him. I love this. Having, having forgiven all trespasses. Forgiven you of all trespasses. Not just some. Not just the ones that you did in the past. But every trespass. Every sin of the entire human race has been forgiven already in Christ Jesus. The difference is, is some know it and others don't. Some have received grace and others haven't received Christ or grace at all. But because you've received Jesus, you must know and you must realize that you have been quickened together. Hallelujah. You've been risen together and you have been forgiven of all your trespasses. Hallelujah. I don't know if that excites you. It excited one person that said glory. Everybody else is thinking about the pizza after church. I don't know. But if you're here today, just give me a good shout, amen, or something, oh me or oh my. Just respond somehow to let me know you're out there. If not, if you're online watching, give me an amen. Just put it on there, amen, pastor, and uh, I'll keep going. Praise God. <laughs> Notice what it says. Also, he said he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Now, I didn't want to finish because I like the rest of these verses. Notice this is important for you to see. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Glory to God. In other words, he's defeated the enemy for you through his death, burial, and resurrection. And he put, God put you in Christ so you can be joined to the victory party. Hallelujah. You, you can join in with the triumph. Glory to God. Now look at the next chapter, just one verse here in verse 3. One verse, I love this. Verse 3 says, For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. There is a place by God or in God that you are at right now. It's the secret of the Most High God. It's a place where we dwell. It's a place where we live. And our old man is dead, and our life that we live now is hid in Christ. I like to call that my witness protection program. Hallelujah. In other words, the devil may try to bring up your past, but he can't find the person that lived that past because that person is dead and he's got a brand new name. He's got a brand new life. God has installed you into a program that gives you the identical name that Jesus has. Hallelujah. You are joined to Christ and your life is hid with Christ in God. Hid away from what? I'm hid from condemnation. I'm hid from all kinds of things. I'm hid from disease. When, I, when you get a revelation of that, you realize that you are protected in the rock, that you are safe in the rock, 
that you are, uh, you're, you're, there's a shield around you. And when you're hid within that shield, you can't be found. And even if you're being hunted out, you know, one person said, you know, if you're not vaccinated, you're a sitting duck. You, if you're hid in Christ, vaccinated or not vaccinated, you're not a sitting duck, you're a protected duck. <laughs> and the only kind of cloth that can protect me is a cloth or a handkerchief or an apron that was in Acts chapter 19 that has an anointing on it that can drive out the spirit of oppression, that can drive out the spirit of infirmity, that can drive out demons and sickness and disease. My faith is not in a cloth or a needle of vaccination. My faith is in the fact that my life is right now hid and protected and guarded and shielded. I'm not mocking you whether you did or didn't get the vaccination. That's not what I'm saying. But don't put your trust in it even if you did. Put your trust in this. Your life is hid. Your life is protected. I'm kept. Glory to God. I am kept by the power of God and I'm protected. And it doesn't matter what's trying to hunt me down. I'm not a sitting duck. I'm a protected duck. I'm not a target for the devil because he can't hone in on me. If he targets on me, it's got to be on Jesus. And he already targeted him over 2,000 years ago and he was defeated. I don't know about you, but the more I preach on this, the more I read this, the more revelation comes to me, the less scared I am, the less uh, weak I feel, the more strong I feel, the more I feel like a mighty man of God, hallelujah. I'm not a weak person. You're not a weak person. You're not a natural person. You are hid in the arms of Almighty God. And he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm protected. I'm kept. Hallelujah. Can we camp out on that? There's a place that's, that's designed for you where you can be secure, hallelujah, where you can walk uh, shielded away from anything that this world could bring your way that could try to defeat you. You say, well, I know a bunch of Christians that have been defeated. I, know, I do too. I know Christians that died premature and they're in heaven. I, I'm not judging them or judging their faith, but I am telling you this, there's some that had more revelation than others. And there's some that are just now in heaven getting the revelation that they could have got here on earth. But the more you desire and hunger for the food of the word of God, the more that word will enter into your heart and the entrance of his word will bring light. And the more light comes, the more you'll see. You know, Christians have their eyes darkened for certain, uh, from certain things. I got people that I know that, that, that love God. You know, older people love God. But they still believe that if their hair was too long or if their hair was too short or if their collars weren't long enough or their dresses were too short and their knees were showing, that they were going to go to hell. But we've come a long way from some of that revelation, right? And then that's one side of the spectrum. There's people that love God. 
but still believe that God puts sickness on people to teach them a lesson. There's people that love God that still believe that God just chooses to take your life when he wants to because he needs more, you know, he, he needs more petals in the garden, more roses in his garden, and you'll be just another tulip in the garden for God. But you can't find scripture for that. But they've, they've, they've got this understanding that they turn into angels when they go into heaven and now there's another angel in heaven. All that stuff, there's no light with that. It's deception. It's, it's, it's philosophy. It's, it's deceit. But where the truth is, when light comes as to who you are in Christ, you won't have to put up with this deception that says God is this way or God is that way or God's doing this and God's doing that. That's, those things are lies from the devil. God's not in the killing business. God's not in the sickness and disease business. God's not in the poverty business. God's not trying to teach you with your circumstances, uh, you know, and, and, and with hellish things to try to humble you or bring you down. You can't find scripture for that. God wants to empower you. God wants to enlighten you. And the eyes of your understanding can, be, can really be opened to where you can see who God really is. And when you see that, it'll affect the way you live. It'll affect your, your relationship with certain things that come against you. You, you, you know, I, I don't want to spend a long time with sickness and disease. I, I don't relate to it. Why? Because if there's no sickness and disease in Christ and my life is hid there that means it's not allowed there and so if it's not allowed there my relationship with sicknesses and disease would be the same way it would be if a, a, a skunk a snake uh, some kind of varmint tried to come through my front door and get into my house would you put up with it no your relationship would be I'm taking an object you use the object you want. There's a certain one I would use, <laughs> right? And I'm going to get rid of it in a hurry. Well, the same way it is when the curse tries to come in to this place in which you're hid. It doesn't belong there, so God gave me his faith, and he gave me the Holy Ghost, and when I use my words, come on, that's the object that I use and my faith, I can drive it out. That's why he said, as many of you have, that have received Christ, walk in Christ. This is how you walk in Christ, by faith, amen? And start declaring, my life's hidden Christ. And if I'm hidden Christ, you don't belong in my body because if my, I'm in Christ, my body's in Christ too. Glory to God. I don't know if y'all getting anything out of this, but I'll tell you what. I'm getting something out of it just by preaching it. <laughs> now, look here, if you would. We're going to go over into another place here that I believe will really, really help you. Look here with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Glory to God. And just think about these scriptures that we just opened with. As he is, so are we. My life is hid. So if I'm hid in Christ, I'm joined to Christ. Now look at this here in the Amplified. Uh, if you can put it in the Amplified, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Hallelujah. Therefore, if any person is engrafted, underline that or write that down in your notes, 
engrafted. We're going to talk about that for, for a second briefly today. If any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creature and a new creature altogether. The old, the previous morale and spiritual condition has passed away and behold the fresh and the new has come. Now, in the King James, the word engrafted there is in Christ. But we want to use this amplified version so we could really amplify our understanding of what it means to be put in Christ. Look here in Romans. Don't, you don't have to turn there. Just put it up on the board. Romans eleven seventeen, Talking about the word engrafted or being grafted. It says here in Romans 11, verse 17, but if some of the branches were broken off, while you, a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among them to share the riches of the root and the sap of the olive tree. Okay? Notice that. When you're grafted in, if you were broken off, while you're grafted in, a wild olive shoot, when you're grafted in, you share the riches of the root and sap of the olive tree. Now, we know John chapter 15 tells us that he is the vine and we are the branches, right? Who's the vine? Christ is the vine and we are the branches. Brother, uh, you know, Pastor Martin re- talked earlier about being in, in the offering, about being engrafted in Christ. You and I have been engrafted in. Now, around here, there's a lot of nurseries. <laughs> have you noticed that? There's a lot, there's like moon nursery, which I think they're overrated, overpriced. Sorry, I don't want to talk bad about it. But I've got one by me that I like, but it's, it's a commercial one, and they give me good rates, and I pay cash, and they treat me like I'm a landscaper. So, but they give you a good education about some of their plants and some of their trees, and they talk, to me about the grafting process and what they'll do is they'll take the root stalk of a tree and they'll take a branch from another tree and they'll graft it in but they by grafting it in they have to wound the stalk with the same wound that the branch has isn't that interesting so whatever wound is on the end of that branch for it to take place, for there to be a good grafting that takes place, that root stalk has to be wounded the same way. Well, if you think about this in light of what we believe, you know, let let me just give you a definition of what it means to graft. To insert a shoot from one plant into another living plant so that the two grow together as a single plant. I like that. So if we've been grafted into the root stock, now we're joined as one living plant. So I'm planted into his death. I'm planted in his resurrection, which joins me to the root stock, which is that olive tree we're talking about. And if we're grafted in, all the nutrients from that stock root now is applied to the branch. And so what happens is, is the reason why the rootstock has to be wounded 
identically to the way the branch is, is so that when it's attached, the root stalk will represent that there's an issue, that there's a wound, and it will send a signal to send the supply to heal that branch. Isn't that good? Now, think about this. Uh, Let me read to you this scripture here. And let me ask you if it means anything to you. Surely he hath borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. We did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. But he was wounded with our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. That's Isaiah 53, verse 4 through 5, right? Notice the key phrase. He was wounded, who? The root, right? The root stalk was wounded with our wounds. He was smitten with our disease, with our sin, with our transgression with our pain, with our shame and all the guilt, with our sin and our unrighteousness. He was wounded, why? So that our branch would fit perfectly in him that when we're attached, the root would send a signal to the unrighteous and say, now you're righteous. Glory to God. Come on, I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So we were attached He was wounded with what? He was wounded with cancer. And now that I'm attached to him, come on, by his stripes I'm healed. Now that I'm attached to the the stalk, the stalk sends a signal to the branch that has the same wound and says, by my stripes you are healed. In other words, what's the vine saying? The vine is saying to the branches, I took cancer. I took COVID. I took disease. I took your sins. I took the unrighteousness. I took your pain. I took your shame. Glory to God. And now you've been engrafted in. And anytime someone's in Christ, he's a new creature. Glory to God. Old things are passed away now because I'm engrafted. Hallelujah. You you get that? And it wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have been able to be joined to the stock if the stock wasn't wounded. You get that? I wouldn't be able to be joined to Christ if Christ didn't go to the cross and take those wounds and take the pain and take the shame. And so all of these scriptures in Christ, they really reveal with depth what happened in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Being engrafted reveals that what he took on the cross, he took it so that I could fit perfectly and complete into the stock. Hallelujah. And now that I'm engrafted, I'm joined to all of his riches. I'm joined to the commonwealth of Israel. Come on, somebody. 
I am, uh, I, I'm, I'm in union with Christ, and as he is, so are we in this world. Does it, does it really complete that full circle with you? Uh, that's just so good. And so because of that, because of what he took, I don't have to carry it any longer. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's think about shame for a moment if we could. A couple things we'll bring up here. He, did he not take our shame so that we could live without guilt? Shame is, you know, is one thing that really handicaps a lot of people. And there's no reason why any branch on the vine should have been withered with shame. Because when you understand that he took your shame, you never, even if you've screwed up and messed up, you never have to walk around with your head down full of shame and feeling inferior. Because if you're joined to God, there's a free way of living and it's shame free. Come on. And we find in Christ scriptures that help us with that. Romans 10, 11, turn there. Romans 10, 11. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him, how many believe on him? Shall not be ashamed. Glory to God. Shall what? Shall not be ashamed. I'm a believer. And so if I'm a believer, I don't have to be ashamed. I understand that I've messed up, you've messed up, we've done wrong things. But the very tool that the devil likes to use to get you out of walking in boldness is shame. And if you walk in shame, it's been proven that most people go in self-destruct mode because they can't rid themselves of shame. And that's the problem with a lot of people is they have identity crisis because they're still shameful and carrying something that Jesus was wounded with. I don't know if you're getting anything out of this. Look at Colossians 1.22. Colossians 1.22. Hallelujah. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Now notice this. I know we started in, within the context of this, but notice this. In the body of his flesh and through his death, he's able to present you. So that, what does that tell you? Through his wounding, through his on purpose, I'm going to be wounded. Why was it on purpose? Because he wanted to have a place in him that only you could fit. He wanted to create a wound. He wanted to create a, that's why there's holes in his side so that you could enter in. <laughs> he wanted to create a place that only you could fit. There's nothing uh, that's special about what you're going through right now that Jesus hasn't already went through. And he went through it so that in, in him, you fit. And if you fit, you don't have to carry it no more. 
you don't have to carry the shame no more. Why? Because he took the shame and he took the identical shame that you're dealing with right now. And that's why we hit on this so much because people are walking around with this badge of being a victim and how they were hurt. And really what they're doing is they're walking around with shame. But according to this scripture, when he died through his death and the body of his flesh, what took place on the cross, in other words, he did that so that you would be presented holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. So if that's how you're presented by God, that's how he sees you. If that's how he sees you because of the grafting process, then that's how you need to walk. As you have received Christ, so walk in him. That's what you need to acknowledge. Amen. I don't have to be shameful. I'm unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Glory to God. Uh, I wrote this down. I got this out of the Complete Life Encyclopedia. Shame is the issue that drives almost every compulsive, self-defeating behavior known to the human race. Shame is the root of all addictions. It may be forgotten, hidden, and disguised, but the shame is there, it's real, and it drives behavior. Notice that I underlined that. It drives behavior. Because people have not seen their shame dealt with on the cross, they have behavioral issues today. You can deal with every behavioral issue by finding a true identity as to who you are in Christ. Sometimes the shame surfaces first. In other cases, the addiction surfaces first. Whenever we encounter one, we always look for the other. Shame and addiction can always be found together. Notice there's such influence of shame on people today. And it's because they don't realize that Jesus took that Not only was he wounded with the sin and the transgression, but he took the shame and the guilt of that upon himself so that the branch could be shame-free. Right? There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus that walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, right? So in Christ right now, in Christ. Are you in Christ? In Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. That means there's no shame. There's no guilt. I can live free. I can live free from it. I can be, ha- have a free lifestyle where I don't hold my head down low, but because I'm attached to him and have been engrafted in him, I fit perfect. And if I fit perfect, then glory to God. <laughs> It's like going into, you know, you you go to a seamstress, you get your clothes fit just right, you look in the mirror and you say, this fits perfect, (laughs) right? You look into the scripture and you look at verses like this, you got to look at yourself in, in the mirror of God's word and say, I fit perfect in Christ Jesus. Because if it's not a perfect fit, the branch won't grow. Now, where is it imperfect with a lot of people? Not in their position, but in their mind and in their words. In their mind and in their words. 
You want your understanding to match the reality of your position. And when your understanding matches that, it will change your belief. And when your belief matches your position, you, in other words, I've got to believe this. I've got to be established in this faith. Come on, somebody. Don't, don't be lost in this. I want you to hear me. And when I'm found in this, I'm established in this, this now is my declaration of faith. This is how I talk. I don't go around talking like I'm an incomplete individual. I don't go around thinking like I'm incomplete. That means I don't have to look for love in all the wrong places. That means I don't have to look for a substance to complete me. That means I don't have to, uh, you, you, you know, even look to my wife to complete me. People say, you know, my spouse completes me. She better not. That better not be your confession. Your confession should be that Jesus completes you. Because if you're not complete in Christ, you're going to have a very troubled time in your marriage thinking that you complete her and she completes you. You may feel complete, but the truth of the matter is, when you get married, you're joined and you're one and you're heirs together by the grace of God. But if you're both in Christ, you're complete because of Christ. And it's Christ and his grace that makes you heirs together and makes you complete and one together. Come on, somebody. But you don't look to individuals. You don't look to a substance. You don't look to alternative individuals other than your wife to complete you. Come on. You look to Christ to complete you. And when you realize that, your flesh can be put under and you can tell your flesh, you don't need the extra. You got all you need. See, this is the problem when people don't realize who they are, they won't acknowledge who they are. And acknowledging is more than confessing it. It has to do with the decisions you make. And some of us make certain decisions that are wrong because we don't really believe who we are. If you believe you're rid of shame because of what Jesus did, then you won't walk in self-destruction beating yourself up for everything you've ever done wrong. Jesus was beat for everything that you did wrong. Hallelujah. So now you can hold your head up high as a righteous man and be empowered knowing I'm free, I can live free, and my faith can work from this platform. Glory to God. And the devil knows your faith works from that platform. That's why he tries to pull you back into condemnation. Hallelujah. So what would my confession be? I'm engrafted. And if I'm engrafted, it's a perfect wounding. <laughs> and a perfect wounding means he took every wound, he took everything, every, the entirety of what he took involves anything and everything that you've ever dealt with or could deal with in your life. There's nothing that you can do that could outrace redemption. Jesus has already ran a race that covered every problem for humanity. Glory to God. That means there is a perfect fit. Glory to God. Amen. Now, think about it this way. He had to become man so that it would be a perfect fit. That's, you ever, you know, you ever notice that when I was a kid, I used to like to play with Legos, and then they came up with different kind of Legos that were an off-brand, and sometimes they would get mixed with the, the, the real brand, and then you try to build a house with it and put it together and it wouldn't fit. They didn't line up. Jesus lines up perfect because he became like you and I. 
he wouldn't line up perfect if he was just came down as God. But he came down as man and identified with every point of sin, yet without sin, so that there would be a perfect connection so that he could build his house. Glory to God. I'm connected because I'm engrafted. And I'm engrafted because he made a way for there to be a perfect fit. I don't know if that gone over your head or not. Boy, that really just opens up a whole window of revelation to where I can start seeing some things in all these scriptures. Think about this one. Let's go to another one. Can I close with one more scripture that will help you? There, there really is a cure at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the cure for all humanity, right? And uh, when God was working on Christ, what, what he was really working on was us. Glory to God. And so Jesus took our condition and he engrafted us into him. And now God sees us as Christ. And so let's look at this, the revelation of righteousness. That gives motivation, right? Romans uh, 1.17, don't turn there. You can turn to, uh, yeah, I'm going to read so many different scriptures here. Look at Romans 1.17. It's important to understand the gospel of Christ is a revelation of righteousness. The gospel of Christ is a revelation of righteousness. Go back to verse, is it 16? Go to verse 16. Paul says here, he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Notice the context here is the gospel of Christ. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then look here, for therein, in what? In the gospel of Christ. So everywhere you see in Christ, and Paul's talking about who you are in Christ, those prepositions, that's the gospel of Christ. Okay? He says therein, where? In in Christ is where the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. What's revealed in Christ? Righteousness. Glory to God. Let me say it again. Righteousness is revealed in Christ. Romans 5.17 says, We reign in life through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness through one man, Jesus Christ. So we see in Christ, but now we see another preposition. Through Christ, what do we have? We have righteousness, a gift of righteousness that enables us to win the fight of faith. Hallelujah. Let me say that again. I I, I don't know if you see that. With righteousness, I win the fight of faith. With righteousness, I win the fight of faith. Knowing I'm righteous, knowing I've been made righteous, how how have I been made righteous? Well, it's through the engrafting process. How is it that God can take an unrighteous branch and put it onto a righteous stock. He has to wound that stock with unrighteousness. So 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, he who knew no sin was made sin. See that? How was he made sin? He was wounded with the identical scar or the wound, not scar, but wound of sin so that sin could be engrafted onto him. Okay? So he was made sin 
so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So now, when we're attached to him, the stock recognizes unrighteousness and sends a signal to the branch saying, I'm sending all of the nutrients, all of the righteous nutrients to the branch so that that branch can be made the righteousness of God in Christ because as he is, come on somebody, so are we. My gosh, this is so good. Why? Because if I'm attached to the vine, I'm branch, right? Oh, glory to God. Which means if I abide in him and his words abide in me, I shall ask what I will, and it shall be done unto me. Well, the, the abiding part in him, it's done. It's fixed. I'm in Christ. Those words now abiding in me, that's the next part. That's my part, right? I need to get revelation of this position so that I can deal with my condition. We're trying to deal with the condition with different things. But if we can start with our position, we can rid ourselves of the condition. Amen. And how did Jesus deal with our position? He was made sin so that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul's letter helps us understand that righteousness is a free gift. It's a free gift. It's something that's free. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. But he chose to take a branch that was broken off and have you attached to him. Glory to God. And through that engrafting process, he made you righteous. Glory to God. You're a new person that never existed before because you're engrafted in him. Y'all getting something out of this? Righteousness sets you free. It sets you free from sin consciousness. It sets you free from guilt, a guilt consciousness, a shame consciousness. And it puts you into a place where now you can rule and reign. Where? In this life. So let's just close with that thought. God's called me to rule and reign. So how am I going to rule and reign? I've got to first be born again and engrafted in Christ, right? And then when his words are now abiding in me, now faith is there for me to rule and reign with, right? And that's where righteousness is revealed, even from faith to faith. Where is it revealed through? It's revealed through the knowledge of Christ. You see that? Because in Christ, revelation comes to us that we are righteous. And if I'm righteous, now... I can rule and reign with faith. Okay? Let's close with this scripture. Let me give you one scripture to close with. Uh, I'm going to give you two scriptures. <laughs> I'm going to give you uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 in another translation. Uh, this is a good one. This is in the WMS translation. It says, for anybody, if anybody is in union with Christ, he is the work of a new creation. The old condition has passed away. And a new condition has come. The old condition has passed away. 
and a new condition has come. So I want to acknowledge what those new conditions are, right? Now, look at Philemon, verse 1, or verse 6. Only one chapter there. Philemon, put it up on the screen, and I'll close with this. Because this has everything to do with you walking in it now. If you can see it, you can walk in it. So if I can walk in it, I want to know how, how, how do I walk in this? You know, the Bible says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. How many know exactly how you went, you woke up this morning and put on your clothes? Just as easy as that is, so it is when it comes to putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I have revealed to me, I'm in union with Christ, or I'm a new creature in Christ, the old conditions pass and new conditions come. When I see that in the scripture, I want to put that on every day. How do I do that? Look here in verse 6. I love this. It says, that the communication of thy faith. How do you communicate faith? By what you do and by what you say. Right? Remember, Jesus could see faith. When did he see faith? When they carried that man on that bed through the rooftop, right? The Bible said Jesus saw their faith. That was an action. And through that action, faith was seen right? But faith is also heard. And when faith is communicated, it's communicated through words and through actions. Can you see that? Can you agree with that? So he says that the communication of thy faith would become effective. Now, every day there's people communicating faith, whether they're mimicking faith or it's coming from their heart. They're either trying to communicate faith or they're releasing faith. Whether it's effective or not, you know, we don't know, okay, unless we see the results of it. We want to see results. How many want your faith to be effective? How many have ever released faith and it didn't seem to be so effective? Have you ever been there before or am I just the only one? How many have spoke the word, spoke the word, spoke the word, spoke the word, spoke the word until you're just parched? Or it feels like, you know, you know, you know to confess the word and you've got it going like, it, like you're robotic with it. I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed until it's just a tongue twister to you and it's, it's just not working. And so notice this. He's saying, I want your communication of faith to become effective. I want you to be effective with it. I want you, when you shoot at the target, to hit it bullseye every time. And there's a way where you can be so effective. How is it? This verse ain't done. He says, it's by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So what am I saying? You get into this book more than you ever have before, and you dig into the epistles, and you find your place in the book, and you find the unsearchable riches of Christ, and if you can find who you are in Christ, you begin to acknowledge that. It affects your faith it makes your faith effective. Now, acknowledge there means to have a vivid sense or a Polaroid. One, one translation said having like a Polaroid image of what you see in the, in the Scripture. In other words, if I'm going to acknowledge it, i got to see it. There's people that are confessing the Word, but they don't see it yet. And that's because they haven't spent enough time into the Word of God to let it be revealed to you. In other words, some people just read past it and they just, oh, that's a good verse. But when you're digging into the, to, to the word and uh, you're fitting, it's like you're going through a fitting session. 
You know what I'm saying? I'm getting these clothes and they're getting fitted to me. So I'm going through a fitting session. In other words, I want to make sure I see where I fit in this verse and what took place to make me fit in this verse. Well, I'll tell you what. He was engrafted and he was wounded with the same wounds and the same sin and the same disease so that I could fit perfect. And when you see that and have a revelation of that, your faith becomes so effective that you don't have to, you don't have to confess a scripture 60 times. You speak to that mountain one time, walk away and know it's gone even though you still see it. Why? Because you know you fit. Glory to God. We're blasting some holes in, in the devil today. <laughs> even though Jesus already whooped him and defeated him, we're just kind of adding to it. Hallelujah. When I can look into the scripture and, and see where it says, he became poor. Whew. So that I might be rich. I fit right there. That fits me good. You know, when you go through a fitting, you look in the mirror and you look at different angles and you think, yeah, that looks good. Yeah, that looks good right there. I like that. Yeah, I, I like that. I look good, Rich. Glory to God. Yeah, I'm rich. That means I'm lacking nothing. I'm entire. My finances are whole. Glory to God. It may not look like it in the natural but I'm not looking at the natural. I'm looking at the supernatural. I see that glory to God. By his stripes, I was healed. I fit perfect in that verse. I look good right there. I don't look so good on the Google search, but I look good in the scripture search. Google's got me dying in two weeks, but the scripture's got me living a long life and satisfied. I like that. That fits pretty good. Glory to God. And when you can see yourself in the mirror of God's word, that's when you've acknowledged it. Then it becomes part of your confession in the sense of this is not how I talk. I'm not talking to try to get things to change. This is just my language. You, you know, the best way to learn a language is just be thrown into a country somewhere and be immersed into all their culture and their language without a handbook on how to learn it. You understand what I'm saying? And you'll learn the language a lot faster that way than you would through phonics, hooked on phonics or whatever, right? Through immersion, just being immersed, immersed in it. You know the way you'll learn the language of faith? Get immersed in who you are in Christ Jesus. And when you begin to acknowledge that, you'll begin to communicate who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ. And like I said at the beginning of this, you can't get to where you're headed unless you know where you're at. And there's places you'll start going in life just because of acknowledging who you are and where you're at in Christ. And things look a lot better in Christ than they do outside of Christ. I can tell you that right now. Things look a lot better in this book than they do on the Google search. Have you noticed that? I mean, has anybody ever gone through something and then they just type in, you know, the symptoms on there? Guess what I can look at? I can look at this engrafting process and I can look at that scripture I found in Isaiah and I can find all my symptoms on him. And if I can find all my symptoms on him, then I know if it was on him, then that root can deliver all the nutrients that I need to make the branch whole. Amen. Hallelujah. 
I'm going to stop right there. Did y'all get something out of that? We went a little bit further with this today. <laughs> Amen. Wasn't that good? Wasn't the word good today? Let's lift our hands to heaven and let's thank God for his word. Father, we're so thankful for revelation. Thank you, Father, that we have eyes to see, that we have ears to hear the truth about who we are. Thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit who reveals light and teaches us and shows us the truth of our actual image in Christ Jesus. That's what we need to see. And I pray, God, that you'd give unto these people a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelation in the, in the knowledge of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that they'll know what the hope of their calling is in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that they'll know what's in them, that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is invested in Christ, and we're in Christ, and we have all the power that we'll ever need to deal with what we face today in life. And I thank you, Lord, that we have revealed to us we don't have to be in fear, but we're seated far above every name that is named. We're in a place of victory. And Father, we thank you for victory today. Just lift your hands and thank him for victory. Glory to God. I mean, whatever it is you're going through, victory is yours for it. So just thank him for victory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, because we're engrafted in you. We have the victory. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Give God a big shout this morning.